0: is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Red Ink. I'm Jared Kimber. This podcast has adverts, but if you prefer your podcast without, in the show notes you'll see the link to my Patreon page and you can listen to our chats uninterruptedly. Patreon also comes with many other benefits as well, including a Discord channel and private chats with me. But now, the show. This episode of Red Inca, I talk about the coverage of cricket. Recently, a few major news stories have happened, which is normal, and cricket is great at looking at them. But it doesn't really get to the analysis or the daily coverage that most sports fans want. On this episode, I really talk about how the cricket media has evolved into this, how they're obsessed with the best 11, and why David Miller's dad is so important. Googlies, quarter seamer, Karen, dukes, back of the hand, red, leg cutters, teestra, pink, knuckle, white, slider, seed, heavy, bounces, cherry, length, pill, off cutters, old, crimson traveller, kookaburra, hard, outswing, second new, off spin, arm, SG, split finger, shiny, leg spin, soft, new, yorkers, flippers, wrong long-hops, reverse-swing, half-volley, and third-new. These are just some of the names we use for balls in cricket. Well, Manscaped wants you to be as proud of your balls as you are of the ones delivered by your favourite cricketer. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer, 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Insert the code REDINCA at manscaped.com. I've actually used this. I'm um, not just something that I'm hawking for fun, and I got to admit I thought it was a bit silly, and then I went down there and it was exceptional. I honestly feel like a ball outswing with one nut and inswing with the other. So get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code redinka at manscaped.com. Manscaped. For the man who cares about his balls as much as the ones out in the middle. David Miller had a good season this year in the IPL. In fact, a very good season. I mentioned him in my batting outliers piece. And since then, he's been very good in the playoffs as well. But even in my outliers piece, all I really did was mention that this was a better year for him than most. One of his few exceptional IPL seasons, really. And then I talked about how him being a left-hander is so important. And that's one of the reasons why he's so constantly around even when it seems like, at times, he's probably underperforming. And as good as he was this year, until the playoff, he wasn't quite the story. And so his reinvention was largely ignored. It was mentioned occasionally as one of Gujarat's narratives, but not that much. The wraparound TV coverage of the IPL is still fairly poor. Crickinfo and Crickbars are global sites that kind of dabble in the IPL for two months a year, and perhaps because the fact this is it's a two-month tournament, the local newspapers don't quite give it the amount of coverage that you would expect of what it is, this huge sporting event. I mean, here you have a new team and one of the biggest sporting leagues in the world being very successful and one of their most well-known players, someone with over 10 years of experience as a veteran in this league and also internationally, was barely a storyline at all. I mean, think about it this way. We all know David Miller. He's not a under-the-radar cricketer. Even most casual fans will have come across David Miller at one point, and yet no one seemed to notice what had changed with him. In fact, really, the reason that this video exists and much of the more recent discussion about David Miller has come about is because a Twitter user actually mentioned that something had changed. And then afterwards, it got more attention when Miller's father commented on the thread. And yeah, that's exactly why I'm mentioning it today. After that, Akash Chopra also took to the virtual crease to show that Miller has made two major changes when facing spin. It's actually a really good video, and it's definitely worth you checking it out on Crick Info's Twitter feed. But it also took all series for anyone to really notice, not to mention that he'd also clearly improved last year. And again, no one had really noticed. And Akash's video wouldn't have even happened if it had not been for the player's father taking to Twitter to complain. And that is a huge problem with our sport. We just don't have what I would consider proper coverage. It's not that fathers and Twitter users wouldn't ever be able to pick out things that others wouldn't. That's a fairly normal thing that's always going to happen. But the reason things like this keep happening in cricket is because the game is not looked after correctly by the media. And this isn't just about David Miller or the IPL. Sri Lanka just beat Bangladesh away. And there is a lot to unpack in this particular series. Angelo Matthews and Mushfika Rahim made a lot of runs. Matthews on his own is a near constant soap opera these days, which I suppose so is Sri Lankan cricket in general. Then there is the fact that not long ago, Bangladesh were great at home with incredible performances against Australia and England. And now they've lost to a Sri Lanka who's way down in the rankings. While Sri Lanka have had their best overseas results here that they've had in a long time, probably since that incredible series against South Africa of 2019, which kind of feels like it belongs to a different team now. And they won their series with only two bowlers taking more than a single wicket. And both of them were quicks. There's just so much narrative and story to be able to be unlocked from this. And yet so much of this just seemed to go by without really anyone noticing. Also, in the last 12 months, the USA has defeated Ireland and now Scotland. But there is a lot more to the story than that. Scotland have a weakened team. Many of their best players at the moment are in county cricket. USA is obviously trying to combine their new imports and their local players. While the entire specter of the major league cricket and the fact that they now have $150 million in investment sort of looms large over this, Plus, many of the US players have recently been playing in a minor league system, which on its own is a really interesting thing, because there are so many leagues out there at the moment are so focused on the top product that you have this random American league that is actually thinking about it maybe more strategically and more about the future than a lot of cricket boards are. There's also a big story in New Zealand this week, with Amy Sathaway retiring after she lost her national contract. And she wasn't the only one to lose that contract. New Zealand cricket cut almost every woman over 30 from their list. Despite the fact that the real problem would appear to be that they are currently losing the space race with Cricket Australia, perhaps now because of the 100 also with the ECB, while India is getting its act together with women's cricket, and South Africa is in the middle of its golden age of women's cricket. The fact that South Africa retired seems like a shot back at her board, but there are plenty of other things to talk about when you look at why New Zealand cricket is no longer an automatic top four team when you look at the sides around the world. Despite what looks like a very talented squad that they keep producing, their team doesn't seem to be getting the most out of itself. But we don't really know that much about that. And it's not surprising because we also didn't really know that much about the entire rise of the men's game, you know, until they'd actually already risen. And that's simply because New Zealand is a country without a professional full-time cricket writer. They're not the only one. West Indies don't have one either. And none of that really makes any sense. If you think about New Zealand cricket on TV, you can see Simon Duell and Danny Morrison regularly. You can hear Jeremy Coney and Brian Waddle, Brennan McCullen, Mike Hessin, Stephen Fleming. All of these guys have major important cricket coaching positions. New Zealanders are very involved with world cricket, but there's no real coverage around them as a team. I mean, right at the moment, it's clear that the women's team is, well, falling apart And the men won the World Test Championship, have been number one in the world in tests as well, and have been in the last three World Cup finals. This is an incredible team that we should know a lot more about, and we don't. And the women's team is falling apart despite the fact they still have incredible talent. Again, we should know more about this. And again, we don't. And there is something very wrong here. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. And I think Sathathwaite is a perfect example of how cricket is covered. Something big happens, and news organizations from around the world suddenly all take notice at the same time. But until the story reaches that sort of news level critical mass, there's almost nothing before then. It's dead silence, and then, oh my God, she's lost her contract and she's retiring. There's no in between. To take the contract away of a player of this quality who then retires when she's only 35 is a much bigger story than just the incident itself. This has been building. Things have been happening. There is a new look for New Zealand cricket. All of these sorts of things have not been covered. It isn't really that the story was missed. It's that the entire coverage was missed. And New Zealand is easy to focus on because of their lack of professional writers. But when you actually look at even the major cricket nations, you'll see that there's a lot of problems within cricket coverage as well. Like, for the countries that have a lot of reporters, most of them cover each event roughly exactly the same way. They might write about it in it from a slightly different political or cricket standpoint, depending on who they work for. That's very fair. But essentially what happens for most major cricket is, something large happens, and everyone writes a very similar piece. Or a press conference occurs. And you can read dozens of pieces with the same quotes. Again, perhaps slightly different, but it's still essentially the same story. Cricket just keeps covering major news items, generally with lots of voices saying the same thing. But actual cricket analysis is really rare. And I'm not talking about advanced metrics and the sort of stuff that I sometimes do on this site. Or, you know, the people on Twitter who are absolutely obsessed with R. Ashwin's wrist angle. What I'm talking about is actually analysing the game on a deeper level and talking about what is happening so you can explain it to fans. Most cricket analysis that you actually read online or you see from the media is kind of this group thing. He can't play the short ball. She can't play the spinners. Very rarely do people who are paid to write about cricket actually do any of their own original analysis. Instead, what passes is this kind of coverage is usually this obsession with the players in the final 11. Which historically does make sense, because we have a sport where you can't substitute a player for five days. So that's probably the reason why in cricket, more than other sports, we're absolutely obsessed by who is in the side, who shouldn't be in the side, and who should be in the side. But it also means that cricket analysis, more often than not, all the way around the world, is people talking about whether the ninth, 10th, or 11th best player is going to make the difference despite it being quite obvious, as Nathan Lehman once pointed out to me, that those are the players who make the smallest impact anyway. Most cricket coverage is literally just rolling headlines of who is about to be dropped, and then if that player actually does get dropped or find form, who is the next player who is about to be dropped? And that isn't just my opinion. I've been told that by senior newspaper cricket writers from around the world. The problem with this, really, is the fact that cricket should have constant movement in their eleven. Like any sport, you should pick players based on matchups and how the opposition line up and all of those sorts of things. And in cricket, way more so, because we add pitches. Your team should really be a squad of 15 to 16 players available to you. Maybe you have four, if you're lucky, all-surface batters, maybe three all-surface bowlers. Well, kind of everyone else is just coming and going depending on what you need. This is not really about being dropped. We're sort of obsessed with being in or out of the 11. But in truth, you should be chosen when you can best help your team. And when you're not, you should be out unless there's injuries and the team doesn't have a choice. Instead, the final 11 is where the analysis actually stops. And it's even more interesting, I believe, because almost no one who comments on the final 11 is an expert on the players that can come in anyway. Unless they very, very recently happen to play for the team. It's impossible to cover, say, the South African cricket team and all the franchise teams. And yet, that is what the analysis is about. Game after game. None of this really follows. And then you get the fact that there is just so much cricket and there are so few people actually covering the game. There aren't enough people out there working. It reminds me of a time years ago when I stopped by a Big Bash game and I was chatting to the local newspaper writer who was covering the team. This was Australia, the Big Bash rates quite well, everyone has an opinion on it, it gets okay coverage in newspapers and online, especially for a domestic league, and it was one of the big cities that has two teams in it, right? Lots of media, lots of people, lots of coverage, lots of excitement. But despite me only having gone to a handful of games in my life... I knew far more about the team that this guy was covering. I knew about the internal politics. I knew why this player wasn't playing. I knew why this player wasn't working. I knew who they were looking at as potential overseas replacements, all of these things. Because when I'd come in, that was the thing I was completely focused on. I knew I had about five or six games for this particular team. So I knew I had to know as much as possible. This other journalist didn't know any of this, but he wasn't lazy or stupid. It said his job at the time was so silly. Essentially, he would write a match report, which would mean he would sit at the game and would have a look at it. He would put a couple of quotes in from the team, as would anyone else writing a match report at the same thing. If there was a press conference or any way he could chat to a coach or a player, he would do that. But quite often, again, that would be given to multiple media people. But this is where it gets a lot trickier as well. That wasn't his only job. He was covering not one, but both the local Big Bash teams because his newspaper didn't want to send two different people. Oh, and he also still had to write about the Australian men's team, because it's in the middle of the summer, and he was one of the main cricket writers. And even though the Big Bash was his main cover, he still had to look into other games. And of course, because he was a cricket writer for that newspaper, he also had to keep an eye on the women's team. But he wasn't just a cricket writer for that newspaper either. He also covered one of the local football teams. So he had to keep an eye on them, and if they were trading anyone, or if they'd resigned signed anyone, or if anyone had been injured. So much of cricket is the exact same way. The viewing figures, the listening figures, all these things are huge, but we can't find a single reporter to actually cover one of these teams correctly. Crick Info and Crickbuzz are stuck in their models as well. They obviously cover cricket better than, you know, most newspapers, but they also weren't set up to cover the sport as it currently stands. So more often than not, the fans are filling in for this. As are many amateur and semi-pro apps and websites out there, The problem is that to be able to know about all these different people, you have to be almost fully attached to social media. And because much of this is amateur, the people involved can't do it all. They just don't have the time or the resources. And so we know there are people with talent who can do this, who can elevate cricket well beyond the level that we currently have. And instead, we can watch the world's biggest cricket league And we have no idea why a player isn't in the 11 because there is no official announcement and there are no beat writers trying to find this out because that's their main job. Is this player rested? Is it a tactical thing? Will the matchups or the pitch not suit them? Who knows? Then if someone is actually injured, we don't get official announcements. We don't get follow-ups. And usually we don't know they're okay until they're actually back in the 11. Never has a sport ever needed beat writers more than cricket does. Just people dedicated to a team or a beat and covering it until everyone watching can actually get the information that they deserve. This is something that has bothered me for a very, very long time. And it's actually one of the key reasons I started 99.94. In my job personally, I'm trying to cover all these different parts of cricket that have little to no coverage at all. And I find the entire thing so frustrating. I'm only one person. (laughs) I do way too much content already. But part of the reason I do it is sometimes I feel like I just should be doing it. And I know a lot of this has to do with the way the sport and the media evolve, the international nature of it, the fact that we don't always have proper leagues in our sport, the fact that even when we've had leagues, they're incredibly short. But this isn't good enough, right? There are so many people who absolutely love this game and so few people actually covering most of it. So for many people who followed me for a long time, you realize that's kind of where 99.94 comes from. I was trying to come up with a system where financially it makes sense for as many teams in cricket to be covered as possible it was up to me domestic women's teams would have their own people writer. So i don't know if we'll ever get 99.94 that big but that's the plan to get all these people out there actually looking at this so we can learn more about cricket we love it you're listening to this particular podcast no one who is a casual fan listens to this podcast this is very much for hardcore cricket fans if you're on red inca you probably want to know what is happening to your team but you'll probably want to know roughly why sri lanka is winning or losing at the moment and you might want to know a little bit about the psl or you might want to know about the ipl tv rights or what's happening in usa cricket or why scotland got better at cricket and all these little things right most fans though really just want to follow their team. And if you're outside of, well, about five or six of the major international teams, I don't know how you can do that. And the IPL is a perfect example of this. I just feel like the people following the IPL through social media constantly are so much more advanced than anything I see in the media. There's some good, talented journalists who could do a lot more with this. You're talking about young people who could be given a chance. You're talking about older people who've been freelancing for years and covering the game in a way they know doesn't make any sense, but it's what the freelance market needs. You're talking about professional journalists who already are there, but they can't quite find a position within the game and they need to be launched and supported. And so far, none of that really happens and none of that really goes ahead. And, 99.94 99.94 what i tried to really do with it and myself and john norman spent a lot of time talking about this and obviously vasu now spends a lot of time talking to us about this a lot it's really how can we get more coverage around this team and it's around financial models and obviously it will eventually be commentary and all these different things but even when you go back to let's say the bangladesh Sri lanka series that we were talking about before Almost everything that was done on that series that was of a high quality and professional and had people backing them, and there's some very talented writers involved in that, you know, Fidel Fernando and Muhammad Issam on their own, incredible, but everything was kind of written. And it's like, that's not even the world that we live in anymore. A lot of people just don't read written articles. Where are the podcasts and where are the videos and where's the other kind of coverage and how is it being factored into social media? I know that the talent is out there, and I know that the people are out there, and it's a big part of what I want 99.94 to be going forward, is literally covering the game properly. And to go back to something that we were mentioning before, just on David Miller, his father is the reason that I'm even mentioning his name at the moment. Now, David Miller is a very well-known cricketer, right? But he's also playing in a hugely important new area for cricket. You know, the Gujarat team is a really important team, not to mention that they're also successful this year. And even if they weren't, they're still an IPL team. And yet the coverage of that team is so low compared to what it should be. It doesn't make any sense. The sports coverage is just not evolving the way that it should be. And David Miller's story shouldn't have to be dragged through by a narrative attached to his father. We can do better in cricket coverage. And I hope that 99.94 is part of that and part of the solution and also other things start to change. But when I look at other sports and I look at the way that football is covered in Europe and I look at the way the American sports are covered and I come back to cricket, I think all these people care about our sport and they love it and they obsess over it. And then when it comes to the coverage, it's a couple of press conferences and some match reports and some lovely pros. Where is the coverage of our sport going? So far, it seems to be going towards the hope that a player's father gets angry enough that he points out that almost everyone in cricket has missed this huge story. In the future, I hope that doesn't need to happen as often. Thank you for listening. This podcast is made available by the people who support us at Patreon, so thank you to all of those who do. There is a link to the Patreon in the show notes. Red Inca is made by me, Jared Kimber. Nick McCorriston makes the best audio anyone can from random Zoom calls. Makunja Banreddy is in charge of our video side. Orijotti senpathi turns the files into video podcasts, and Shivanka Paticharya makes our graphics. Our theme tune is called The Prisoner by the Red Cricket. Podcast Network.